What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give Innovation. I am joined today by Scott Landers. Now, he was born and raised on a sixth-generation farm, uh, the Landers family farm in Texas. He's worked as a civil engineer, a product director, independent consultant to water and food organizations. He's the co-founder of Figure 8 Logistics, where he currently works as a food and delivery consultant, holds a bachelor's degree in environmental engineering from MIT, lives in New York City, and so glad to have you on the podcast, Scott. Yeah, it's really great to be here, Zach. I've uh, I've been a fan of Ovation for a long time and excited to see what uh, what we can talk about today. So, Scott, tell me a little bit about Figure 8 Logistics. What do you do? Who do you help? And how do you help them? Sure. So, Figure 8 Logistics was started back in 2019 as uh, the world's first food delivery consulting firm. So, all we do is we help restaurants, bodegas, grocery stores, anybody in the business of moving food, help them deliver better, faster. And within that, we really focus on making food delivery a sustainable part of your restaurant business. And you said 2019. That's right. Notice that. That was a year before food delivery uh, went mainstream. So, we can also put profit into your uh, bio. Um, that how how appropriate. Now, I recently saw that you did you moderated a panel of some really interesting people um, about off prem packaging, and uh, now obviously being a feedback company, we see a lot of feedback around packaging. And if I could just throw in my two cents here, Scott, and then I, I want, I'll let you the professional answer. Man, if you are using those, if you're selling fries and you're shipping them out through third party or you're delivering them yourself and you're putting them in those clear plastic containers that are airtight, oh, please stop. Like that is just like one of the, it creates such a terrible experience for the guests. There's nothing worse than soggy fries. Even I've seen worse reviews for soggy fries than I have for fries that didn't show up. So anyway, that's my two cents on packaging. Scott, what, what's what's your take? Packaging, tell me about it. Yeah, well, when I think it comes to fries, people just have such high expectations for their French fries, at least in America. We take it as a kind of a badge of pride that, you know, it's really that, that difference between expectation and reality. And so, you know, everything that we do is helping to deliver your experience, right? So if you're a fine dining restaurant and if I walk in and I get full service, you should be delivering a fine dining experience you know, through that online and off-premises example. Similarly, if you're a food truck and it's all about convenience and speed, you should be able to deliver convenience and speed. So at Figure 8, we really focus on helping restaurants make sure that delivery, catering, pickup is just a complete extension of their brand and represents, you know, the experience that they're trying to deliver to their guests wherever they are. As we like to say, if guests can't come to you, you got to go to them. Amen. Um, Have you found any good tips for, for packaging in terms of just like, if I'm if I'm looking at reviewing my packaging, I'm running low. I'm about to place a reorder. Anything I should think of in in uh, like right off the bat? Yeah, well, lately uh, that hasn't really been an option. It's been mostly supply chain driven. Of, of you get what you know, you take what you can get. But as the supply chain has been evening out and, and more options are coming on the table, um, the first thing we look at is again 
does your packaging reflect your brand, right? If your brand is all about sustainability and warmth, and maybe, you know, you have wood uh, aesthetic on the restaurant, you should think about more of a paper kind of brown aesthetic in, in delivering that, making sure that you're really representing yourself. You know, you don't have the lights and the music and the flowers and the candles, like when someone comes to dine in. So how do those, those few touch points, packaging in particular, make sure that they're putting the brand, you know, best foot forward. Secondly, we always then look at uh, what is the sustainability angle, right? Instead of buying virgin paper, is this recycled paper, right? Instead of plastic, you know, is it made from more of a, uh, a, a natural source like uh, wood chips or, or wheatgrass? So um, there's a lot that you can do with packaging, both stating who you are in terms of representing just the consistency and aesthetic of your brand, but then starting to showcase your values around sustainability, around transparency, and actually showing what's in the packaging. Um, there's a lot to get into there. Uh, but we really look at, you know, making sure that that at the end of the day, every touch point in delivery is consistent and reflective of, of the experience you are trying to deliver. I love that because there's so many times that you go to a restaurant, you have a great experience, and then you order delivery, and it's terrible. It, it has zero reflection of who the brand is. And you have to think about it of what does my brand translate to in this environment? And I think that's something where uh, that's so critical to focus on because you can't you can't afford to have a terrible delivery experience and just expect the guests to come back into the restaurant. There are restaurants that I don't go to anymore because of a bad delivery experience. And, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, especially the last one I'm thinking about is the packaging, right? Where I paid 25% more to get food delivered. And because of the packaging, everything that I had was completely sopping wet, soggy. And I've, I have not gone back to that restaurant since then. One, one brand and one person who I think do an incredible job of this is Matt Smith over at Takaya. That's a, a group and an individual who, if you want to check out their website, their packaging, if you're in LA or Phoenix and you order from Takaya, uh, you'll, you'll see that their delivery experience matches their brand. And that's something that's so few people are, are doing successfully. Um, and, and speaking of this, Scott, if, if I can, I, I know this is my podcast. Am I, would you be okay if I cursed? Hey, go for it. Supply chain. I feel like that has become a curse word nowadays. Uh, wh what do we do as we're like looking at these delivery issues and these packaging issues? Like, what what do we do to to combat supply chain issues? Yeah, as the uh, the resident engineer and logistician, I think if that's the right word I'm using here, uh, supply chain and logistics are something I geek out a lot about and. Uh, you know, when the going gets tough, I guess the, the logistics get going is <laughs> maybe the way we'll change that up. Um, look, I mean, I, I have a lot of conversations with suppliers, with manufacturers, and, you know, we're on the phone with them, you know, most weeks. And I hear it's getting better, right? I, I hear that that lead times are coming down, availability is coming up, um, but it's still a little bit tenuous. And so a few general uh, strategies that that I think are good uh, for restaurants to take on, whether the supply chain is good or bad, are um, skew consolidation, right? So making sure that you are using fewer pieces of packaging instead of more. I don't know how many times I'll walk into a restaurant and they'll have 25 different pieces of packaging 
a small bowl, a bigger bowl, the lid, a bag, a different size bag, this extra thing that we only use for tacos, this extra thing that we only use for salads. And it's just like, the first thing you have to do is really consolidate that down. You probably don't need more than half a dozen, maybe maybe a dozen pieces of, of, of packaging to have a consistent um, experience that, that covers your full menu. So can we, can we just click on that? How do you, how do you go about consolidating? So let's say I am a, I am a, uh, a restaurant group and I've got 26 different types of packaging for all the different kinds of things I do. How do you go around like strategically getting rid of packaging when I feel like that's, that's like what I need to actually like service everything on my delivery menu? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is just recognizing the importance of this. Not only is that another piece of packaging you have to manage, it's another piece that may or may not be available. It's taking up extra shelf space in your dry storage, which we know is limited. Um, So it really starts from this idea of consolidation is important, right? Doing less with more. And what we then look at is then what is that delivery menu that you're trying to deliver? Maybe not everything should be on your delivery menu, right? If you're only using this one piece of packaging for this one frozen dish that melts half the time in delivery, you might want to just think about taking that off the menu and having that be a dine-in only special, right? It's not available for delivery because it's not a good experience to deliver. It requires this extra special piece of packaging that's really expensive. And frankly, you know, it's not representative of who we are as delivered. So, you know, if you really want our special sorbet, you got to come on in and dine in with us, right? And that's a perk to get your delivery guests to come in to your restaurant. Um, the second thing would be looking at, you know, the way that you make these items available online, right? Is it the exact same portion size, right? Can I have one bowl, maybe a 32 ounce bowl, and that becomes my workhorse for my burgers, for my sandwiches, for my salads, and I start to get a little more reusability out of that one packaging, whereas dining in, maybe they're getting served on flatware and, 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 and not packaging. So um, you can make some of those small tweaks to really understand that my packaging is for delivery and my delivery menu is still my menu, even if it doesn't have 100 items. Maybe it's just my top 20 or 30 because that increases my uh, expedite time right? or decreases my expedite time, rather increases my throughput. It consolidates my packaging, which allows me to buy in bulk, reducing pricing, and ultimately provides a more consistent experience for my guest. I love that. I think that makes so much sense as we're thinking about the simplification of delivery, making sure that what you do in delivery, you can nail. And if you cannot nail it nine out of 10 times and the the 10th time being good, uh, then probably take it off your menu for, for delivery. Right. And, and and you don't have to take it off your menu entirely, because I know on this show, we talk a lot about cutting down your menu, but this is like cutting down your delivery menu. A lot of people do it. Not everything is available. You will get some pushback on that. But what's better than getting pushback is uh, or sorry, what's worse than getting pushback is creating a terrible guest experience. Absolutely. And how many times would you recommend that? an individual ordered delivery from their own restaurant? Every week. <laughs> I mean, if, if you are, I mean, particularly if you are someone who's maybe more of a fast casual or quick service concept, and if delivery is 
more than 30% of your overall sales even, the same way that you are tasting the line every shift and every day, right? right? The same way that you're touching tables every shift and every day, you should be ordering delivery once a week, right? Or, and, or, or have your friend order it and ask them, how was it? Yeah. Or, and, and even if you're running around to the restaurants, you're, you know, you're still in the restaurants on a day-to-day basis. Shoot, order from one restaurant to the other. Absolutely. Uh, if, if you can. And I think that open it up with your staff, show them, hey, this is what a delivery experience was like. Uh, and here, here it is. How would you feel if you paid $35 for this and this is what you got? Are you happy? Or are you not? And I think doing things like that opens our eyes to what it is. I think you're absolutely right. You can't just taste the soup, you know, as you go down the line on the shift, you got to ex- see what everyone's experiencing and the delivery is what they're experiencing where you have the least amount of visibility into. That's right. Two, two things I often hear are uh, my responsibility is to put it in the bag and then it's the delivery driver's responsibility or the delivery company's responsibility. But we all know that the guests don't see it that way. I'm ordering from this restaurant. I will hold that restaurant accountable for the experience that I deliver. We also know that that food changes with time, right? So the soup, while it might be hot and you know the right texture leaving the restaurant, 20 minutes later, after bumping around on a bike, particularly if it's cold outside, like it's about to be winter here in New York, that soup's going to change. So the yeah. experience in what someone is tasting 20 minutes later at their home isn't what you tasted when it left, but that's what they're buying and that's what they remember. And so you have to make sure that you're understanding and experiencing this meal the same way your guest is. And here's a terrifying fact. This is one that it should be, it should like literally strike fear into every single restaurant owner. Because at the end of the day, if DoorDash messes up an order, guess who's to blame? The restaurant. Because guess what? That that guest is still going to order from DoorDash. And then guess what? DoorDash could refund the guest. So DoorDash comes in as the hero, even though they might've messed it up. And so we need to take control of that, minimize the effectiveness of, minimize the things that can go wrong uh, from giving it to the driver to giving it to the guest and make sure that we understand that you still own that guest experience. Even though it's not your hand that's handed it to them, it's your food that's getting handed to them. And because of that, you you were the fall guy. And that's something where I think as we're as we're thinking about delivering, optimize that entire experience. That's why, Sky, I think what you're doing is really cool because you have to think about it uh, differently, but you have to use the same core values that you use in your restaurant. That's right. Building building a sustainable delivery system is no different than building a sustainable system for dine-in service. But it really is recognizing that you have to have a system. There is a process that can build consistency, that your team can be trained to, that you can follow up with feedback and with checking data. Now, it might look a little different than touching tables, right? Maybe you're touching online reviews and reaching out to guests over the phone or over a text message. But you can build a system such that delivery is a consistent brand positive experience, both for your bottom line and for your guests. Amen. Now, speaking of the guests, what is probably the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays, in your opinion? 
The one I keep hearing is just time and convenience. Um, I, I have friends that, that I'll talk with and, you know, I like to say like, oh, you know, where do you like to order delivery from? Like, you know, what was your last experience ordering delivery? Um, and a lot of times they're just talking about pickup, right? And, and from our perspective, we just call that self-delivery, right? Ordering pickup, ordering delivery, it's no different from us. It's the same system that supports both. But what I hear is I'm tired at the end of work. I just want to place my order so that when I get home, even if it's the restaurant right next to my apartment, I walk in and I walk out and I don't have to wait more than a second, right? And I think just that perception and, and value that people are placing on their own time is something that restaurants can really lean into, is when you say the order is going to be ready for you at 10.15, it's there at 10.15 and we're saving you that time, right? And if that's what's important to you, that convenience, we want to make it convenient for you. Totally. hundred percent agree with that. And any, any tactics or tips or tricks that you would, uh, that you've seen or tried lately? Yeah. I'm just going to go back to, to less is more, right. To really making sure that particularly not only in the supply chain sense of less is more for packaging, but recognizing that it's hard to, to staff kitchens, even to base levels right now. I hear this consistently, you know, I just can't find enough people or I can find people, but you know I have to pay them a lot more than I can afford. And so I'm having to do more with less. And what that really translates to in delivery is you know, the way to think about it is your expo station, right? What, what is the, the, the effectiveness of that one person on expo? Are they moving one order a minute? Are they moving five orders a minute? And how do you build a system that allows them to be more effective with what little time you have? So Again, it really comes down to, to focusing on what is the real experience you're trying to deliver. If you can do that with fewer pieces of packaging, fewer menu items online, really helping your team help themselves, um, ultimately, that's what's going to get you through. You're providing a consistent experience that is on time for your guests. And you're really just recognizing that the, the team members I have in my kitchen are my most valuable resource. So how do I set them up for success? making sure that the technology is working for them and they're not working for the technology. Yeah. So what I'm hearing in general is that bottom line is when, with your delivery experience, do really, really well at fewer things as opposed to trying to deliver the same exact menu and doing it okay, right? And I think philosophically, we could sit here and talk about that. That makes sense. Boots on the ground, it's tough. And I feel like that's why... That's why people hire you, right? Because it's it's hard to go in and say which kids aren't able to to be in the delivery boat and which ones have to just like stay at the kids day. You know, it's it's tough. It's a it's an emotional decision, but that's the power of bringing in uh, outside experts to help you think through what really does make sense and how do you streamline that? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the guest experience. Right. That's and, and we come in and we take a number of, of approaches to making that decision. We understand most of our team comes from a background in restaurants or, or were chefs or own their own concepts in a former life. And we look at this question, you know, very seriously. We know that your menu in a lot of ways is the expression of the brand, right? This is hospitality. This is food service, right? The proof is literally in the pudding, right? Yeah. Um, so Taking it's, putting off the menu is a big is a big question, and we look at you know we'll look at guest feedback, right? Are there items that are consistently getting complaints, right? Either pull it off the menu, or we need to fix the operations and how we're delivering it. 
Let's look at margin, right? Restaurants are already low margin businesses dining in, let alone when you add in the cost of packaging, the cost of logistics, the cost of a, of a, of a sales commission to some online marketplace. So we look at what are the margins of each of these items? And if you're delivering it, is it delivering profit for you? We'll also look at things like packaging consolidation. Is there a way that we can, you know, by taking this one item off the menu, reduce a piece of packaging that will simplify your operations? We'll look at PMIX. What are guests ordering? Sometimes it's funny, right? You think you know what your guests want dining in and the way people make decisions sitting down, looking at a big print menu is different than the way people make decisions from a little bitty phone, right? And so we'll look not only at your overall P mix, but really at, at your, your online ordering product mix and make sure that, you know, if 90% of, of guests are ordering the top five items, let's double down on those top five items, right? So there's a number of ways that we can go about triangulating, you know, to your point, who makes the cut on delivery and who doesn't. Uh, but it's always informed from a place of, of what is the experience you're trying to deliver? What are your guests really showing in the data and in their purchasing behaviors, what they want? And then, you know, to what we've been talking about here, what can you consistently deliver a good experience, right? No soggy fries, no cold soup, right? We want, we want some nice, nice hot meals that are going to show up fresh and crisp and ready to be enjoyed. Well, I'm sold, Scott. Uh, how do people find and follow you and Figure It Logistics? Yeah, so the best place to follow us is on LinkedIn or Instagram at Figure Eight Logistics. Awesome. And who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry? Who's someone that we should be following? Yeah, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna bias this a little bit, and I'm gonna go for the delivery side of the restaurant industry, and I'm gonna send a shout out to Los Deliveristas. This is a workers advocacy group based here out of New York. Um, They're built by and for delivery drivers, really advocating for the rights, responsibilities, and roles of delivery drivers in the restaurant organization. So for bringing the farm values of taking pride in your work to the big city delivery experience, today's ovation goes to you, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us on Given Ovation. Thanks for having me, Zach. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.